You got me going in circles. Don't, don't, don't. Oh, Hey man, you're not supposed to be recording that. <coughs> Alright. Okay, ready. You are now about to witness the strength of facade. And here we go. The following podcast contains explicit language. I have a quest to have a mic in my hand. Without that, it's like kryptonite and superman. Seven times out of Ten, we listened to our podcast at night. Thus spawned the title of this program. Facade Podcast. Fam, what's up? Hey, yo, I'm uber excited. No, wait, wait, that's the, that's the guy that support. Yeah, okay, so yeah, we know you. So I'm lift excited because we about to get lifted. This is the Facade podcast hosted by the two of me the professor the student hip-hop junkie r&b savant the radical conservative hustler never the informant the one who seeks to be understood while trying to understand now all are welcome and i realize that my nerd don't translate well so bear with me Whew. hey y'all it's been a extra hectic week but we're getting ready to get it in. So one thing I realize, sometimes when you aspire to do great things or shift to the next level, some going to try to push you back, right? Whether it's people that say they're your friends, whether it's people that's outside of your community, whether it's say Shaitan himself, there's going to be something trying to hold you back. And so this is the first back-to-back week of the Facade Podcast Right, season one, episode eight. Here, here on out, we going week to week. We doing Jordan, Jordan rules back to back to back, three p to back to back to back, three p. Every week, we gonna come and give you this best hip hop punditry on earth, cause that's how I'm bringing it. And so, I'm excited. Hey, we just got just got through doing my West Coast West Coasting trip swing, right? So I had to, uh, you know, I'm a professor, Dr. Hoskins, but I'm a son of hip-hop. And so I had to travel to sunny California, right, to Los Angeles to present at this Critical Race Education Studies Association conference, right? My, my piece that I did was a paper essentially about black women who are in sororities and how they experience homelessness because they don't got sorority houses like the white Greeks and how that harms them. And despite that, they create academic enclaves and get A's. <laughs> yay, yay. That's, that's the abridged version, the hyper-abridged version. And so it was a great conference, man. I mean, I met new people. It was just, I just, whew, I, I, feel, I felt good. I, I, so I realized that white people, they really into sports teams, right? I realized that like that. So I, had my, I got my Red Raiders joint. Right, and everywhere I went, people was like, "You oh, Vegas Raiders, no, uh, Los Angeles Raiders, no, Oakland, 
Oakland Raiders. That's what I grew up on. Oakland Raiders, right? So that's my joint, Oakland Raiders. But they was really speaking to me. Like, I felt like if I didn't have an Oakland Raiders hat on, they wouldn't even spoke to me. You know, the people that spoke to me, because they, they was looking different than I was looking, right? I was looking, I got my flight suit on, so I'm I'm Nike'd out. We Air Jordan out. We just, the warm-ups, head to the back, and they still speaking suit and ties on. So it just wasn't, it really wasn't aligning right. But we was, you know, I'm responding to people. If they would have known that I didn't boycott the NFL for two straight years, I'd never watch another NFL game again because of the way they did Kaepernick after I went to the Super Bowl and watched the Patriots come back on Atlanta. Like, I was into that. I was into parlaying with my line brothers and going to hang out. You know, went to the Super Bowl. Shout out to my man MVP, you know. And so it's, uh, yeah, yeah, they, they didn't know. And so, yeah, they, they really into their sports teams. But I, I had a absolute blast while I was in California. The sun was right. The um, I, ate a, uh, I ate a chickpea Burger. So here's the thing. I mentioned it before. By December 31st, 2019, I'm going to be a vegan. I got to do it. I done read some things. You know, my African ancestors from Cameroon. You know, I just, just read about, you know, how I can live off earth. Right? And living off earth. Oh, sidebar. So I was listening to NPR, right? And they were saying that if you spend as maybe an hour a day walking with your feet off, Sorry, no kuntikete. No Walking with your shoes off, no socks, just your feet on earth. You can transfer your stress directly from your pineal gland, you know, that releases your melanin throughout your body, all the way into earth. And you'll be less stressed if you do that. That's dope, right? So, I guess where I was at today. I was out here walking around barefoot. But I'm sorry, that, that wasn't what I was talking about. So, wait. Okay, so I met some great people, and being in Los Angeles was great. I ate the chickpea burger, so I've been trying to get my diet right, and so I'm down to 209. I've been in the gym throwing these weights, because here's the deal. If you was fine at 21, you should be fine at 41. Fine at 31, fine at 51, fine at 60 with Angela Bassett. You should be Angela Bassett out here, 61. Out here, fine. It's all get out. Wish I could meet her so I could say hello. <laughs> so I could say hello, Angela, and then keep it moving, right? But you got to eat right. So I do the, you know, I'm, I'm eating right. No fried, no beef, no pork. Whew. Barbecue chicken thighs, hard to get off them chicken thighs. I remember my, my boy Damien used to kick them chicken fries. My, my, my man Trent, whoo, used to ch- cook them chicken thighs. So it's hard to get up off them chicken thighs, but I'm going to get there. I'm going to get there. Right, because I'm trying to do, I'm trying to do well. I want to look good. I want to, you know, I'm gonna teach with my shirt off. <laughs> Y'all laugh when I get tenure. I'm gonna teach with my shirt off because I'm gonna be extra fine. I'm gonna be a Michael B. Jordan fine when I teach with my shirt off. So it's coming. You gonna hear about it? It's gonna blow up Twitter. I promise it's gonna go viral because I'm gonna do it. But anyway, so went out to California, did my presentation, met a lot of people that's smarter than me. That's why I love being a professor. Go to conferences. I see folks talk to them. They be on some, you know, extra, extra. I just be on some extra. They be on some extra, 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 right? And so I had a, you know, this, this is the Facade Podcast got sections to it. So it got five things that uh, I talk about first. And then I get into my therapy exercise, my either or, my neither nor, my what we not going to do, my combat, which is y'all questions to me, and the detangle. 
Right, so the five things. So I spent my time in California, and it was great. Then after that, California, I flew to Portland, Oregon, hung out with my fam, MVP. His daughters graduated, Jazzy and Rachel. Shout out to them. They finna be out here. I ain't gonna say where they're going, but they're gonna be going. They're gonna do big things, big things, right? And so anyway, I missed my flight. So I was supposed to come back. My flight was on Monday the 3rd, but I missed my flight. And then I had to be on standby, but I couldn't get out Friday. So I had to leave at like 6 in the morning uh, when I was in Portland and I had to call an Uber driver. Sorry, a Lyft driver because I don't rock with Uber. So I had to call a Lyft driver, right? And I'm waiting. You know, and they finally come and pick me up, scoop me up. It's like 6.15. My flight leave at 8.15. I want to make sure I don't leave early. So I get in. It's a white guy. He got hip-hop on. And so I think it was like some guru Jasmine Tash. So that went off. And then Gold Digger came on. <laughs> now, this was awkward for him. It wasn't awkward for me. Because I already know. Just like when I'm with my white colleagues, we at the party. We at the turn-up. Sometimes, you know, ARA, they had to turn up the black and brown party. And my white colleagues be there, and they be playing everything. You know, Scarface, Young Jeezy, they Migos, they playing Cardi, whoever. And every time they say nigga, the artists say it, I'll be looking at them waiting to see if they're going to say it. Because we're going to have a conversation about it right then. And so I'm in the car. Right? I'm sitting back. He got the water bottles, the chocolates. He got the uh, incense, everything. And it's beating. You know, I ain't saying, would you give me money? Then I'm in need. Oh, she's a trifling friend indeed. Says she's a gold digger from way over town that digs on me. Bum, 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 bum. She give me money. Now I'm waiting. <laughs> I ain't saying she a gold digger. When I'm in need. But she ain't messing with no broke niggas. <laughs> and that's what was funny. Because <laughs> even though he was driving around 68 miles an hour, <laughs> when Kanye said that, he looked back at me <laughs> to show me that he wasn't saying nigga. <laughs> and it was hilarious so I busted out laughing and he busted out laughing and so but he didn't say he didn't say nigga through that song the rest of that song he didn't say it none of the times he didn't say nigga cause I was looking cause we the guy I'd end up driving the lift to the airport he'd have been standing on the side of the road if I'd heard him say nigga I don't let the guard down I know some people be like some white people they cool but they be like yeah my friend my black friends let me say nigga so I wanna tell y'all if you white listen to this podcast the only time y'all can say nigga is never <laughs> right? We not contextualizing it. Hard ER, get your mouth bloody. A, depending on who it is, might get a drink through in your face, or somebody take their time to explain it to you about why you shouldn't say it. Either way, best bet, don't do it. And so that was <laughs> that was my drive. That was my drive to the airport. So I, you know, I got there on time and then I got I had to go to LA. So I flew to LA. It was a uh like a two-hour flight. I think it was like a two and a half hour flight from Portland to LA. And then I had like a two hour layover. Then I flew from LA to Lubbock. Three hours and seven minutes. So that was a long flight. But I flew standby. I was the only person in standby and I still got on. Southwest Airlines, here's the deal. I get it. When I come to the desk, you work there. You're not flying that day. 
when I check in and say it's standby and you tell me you're a flight early because we got two other flights to launch and I say, okay, I'll wait over here. When I come back to the desk, you say the flight's about to close. And I say, well, I came here and checked early. And you say, we don't know if we can get you on the flight. Yeah, you was going to get me on that flight. Oh, I was going to be in ATF. No, wait, TSA? I was going to be in TSA getting accosted because I couldn't miss my flight. I had to get back home. I got work to do. Come on now. So don't be casual about it. I tweeted it out. It was a really big tweet. It was tweet heavy this week. So I tweeted it out, and Southwest Airlines responded to me on a tweet. And I was kinda shocked. I actually I wasn't I wasn't shocked, shocked. But I was kinda shocked, cause you know, it's Southwest Airlines. And so I, I tweeted out, I'm gonna I'm gonna read what they, what I tweeted out. I be scroll, I be scrolling through my notifications. Hold on. Tell y'all what I tweeted out. Oh, okay. So here's what I said. And here's what they said. But here's what I said. I need to start flying first class, which means I'm not flying on Southwest Airlines, cause they ain't got first class. Because the service, when you stand by due to the airline overselling a flight is extra trash. I get that Southwest Airlines workers are not pressed since they're not traveling, but goodness, be professional regardless. Hashtag facade podcast. And here's what they said back to me. Certainly, we regret, this I hear him saying it, certainly, we regret if you felt any of our employees were less than considerate of your concerns today. We'd be glad, we're glad to see that flight 1840 has departed for Lubbock and hope the rest of your day is smooth selling. So first of all, I'm mad that they put that I was on flight 1840, just in case, like nobody to know that, that was between us, right? But they responded right back, right back, and so I was cool with it, but next time, I'm going to holler at you direct. Point two, so this was so it's rare that I that I be that I be excited about anything, right? That that's you know relating. So I'm, I'm happy. So I'm excited that I got the podcast, right? And so got the podcast uh, episode season one, uh, episode seven dropped last week. Uh, no teeth, please. And so there's a listener. He responded, Dr. Raymond Goings. He said, just finished episode seven. Now, I talked about it in the beginning of episode seven, if you're a new listener. My therapy exercise was who's my greatest hip-hop producer and why was my favorite song. So I said RZA. Greatest hip-hop producer. I listed all his hits. RZA's that man to me. He created a whole movie. Nobody cared. It was really only four boroughs until Wu came on the scene. The Wu-Tang logo is nuts. So if you're a hip-hop head, you know you heard. I watch these raps get all up in your... Pecan butter deluxe and scooped in the ice cream truck. Who turns it up? Now, that, it don't sound like that when they say it, but that's how I heard it. So I said it right then, right then. And here's what he said. Just finished episode seven. RZA is the best hip-hop producer for side podcast? Three question marks. So he was really perplexed, right? Then he said, though, that's a tough one. There's many that I've heard in their time. Just Blaze would be in my top two, as in also. This facade podcast response because you know, uh, Dr. B. Hoskins at Dr. B. Hoskins for those of you who don't know, that's my Twitter handle. But facade podcast, our Twitter handle is facade podcast, and so this is how we responded minus Jay Z. The just blaze ascent would have been that tree that fell in the forest that no one heard. Rizza created. Not only a sonically pleasing movement, but he also elevated AMCs whom no one knew about. Jay-Z was already established, kind of like 
KD to the Warriors, right? So I was, I was turned. We, I was excited about that. It was, it's kind of like KD to the Warriors. That was, that was my response, right? So Jess Blaze responded. Just Blaze, y'all. Just Blaze. He responded. This is what he said. So basically, without whole vice, laugh out loud. Got it, right? And so. I responded, well, Facade Podcast responded, you're a great producer, like KD is, with or minus the Warriors. But the work of the Rizzo is unparalleled. He's the producer Michael Jordan. Hove was the Steph Curry of Rockefeller. So you went to a winner. Rizzo created a champion Wu-Tang legacy. We love your discography, big homie. And then he responded again. So I thought it was about to be over. So what we had was a semi-intellectual debate in the Twitter sphere. And so he said, dude, hard period. Not hard period. He didn't say hard period, but that's what it's, that's how I heard it. Dude, it's not even that serious to warrant all these compassions. Sorry, these comparisons and analysis. Then he said, laugh out loud. Then Facade Podcast said, we are debating black historic hip-hop contributions. It is definitely that serious. 100 years from now, folks will still play and discuss your music, partly because it's coupled with Jay-Z's lyrics. No disrespect in that. We thoroughly respect your work, but Hove is Hove. Is he not? And he responded again. Just blaze? No. Hard period. It really isn't that serious. Also, you missed my original point, which had nothing to do with RZA and everything to do with your comment regarding trees and forests and Jay-Z. Is if the records are done. What about the records are done for everyone else? Get it now? We responded. We totally get it. And acknowledge that in hindsight, the tree and the forest comparison was rather harsh. See, I was trying to be... I was trying to be respectful. Then, uh, then oh, we we were trying to be uh, respectful. Then it says, no disrespect intended. However, your discography features stars only, to your credit, as a solo producer. What no-name MC did you rock for, put on, or discover? Mr. Jess Blaze, and he responded again. He said, I'm not here to debate you, laugh out loud. You made an asshole comment, and I addressed it. And your pivot in the form of your question, which is easily answered. And actually, if you read my discography, that has nothing to do with the issue. So we responded immediately after that. How is it an asshole comment per se? Per se? Hit him with the per se. Producing for Jay-Z put you on a hip-hop map. Without him, your ascent would have taken far longer, sir. Not pivoting. Yay, Timberland, Ninth Wonder, all blew up after working with Jay-Z. RZA created a movement unattached to a legend. Who is your GOAT producer? And, of course, he ain't respond after that. Man, that made our Twitter day, month, year. Just Blaze had Twitter fingers. Just Blaze? I know that distorted. I'm sorry because I, I I was excited when I seen it. I was like, man, that's just that's just Blaze. You know, Dr. Goins. He he's a hip hop head. He be doing some dope R and B production. We're gonna hook up and do a uh, you know a, a academic mixtape maybe. But just Blaze responded to Little O Facade podcast. We got like 250 followers on Twitter. 
well, people be listening to, you know, we got like a thousand streams. It's just us. We're trying to get out there. And he responded. So that let us know something. That let us know we move in the culture. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yo, we move in the culture, son. <laughs> oh, man. But seriously, that was the highlight. Loved it. So, number three. I, so I met a couple people. I don't want to say their names. When I was at the conference, right? But I met a couple people, and I met a uh, nice person. We walked to go to this tacos and uh, tequilas, tacos and tequilas. So we go to this place. We sit down. We having an extra great conversation, right? So we had a low table. Then we moved to a high table, right? And then the lady was like, hey, y'all can sit over here on the couch. And I said... I'm not trying to get lice <laughs> sitting on that couch that looked like it was made in 89 and somebody bought it and took it to their underground dorm and after they got through with it, they set it on the side of the couch. Uh, sorry, outside on the curb like it is secure. Set it on the curb. Somebody picked it up after it sat out there for three months before it went to the trash can and brought it to that restaurant. Right? And so, yeah, I mean, it was great. I, the time that we had was great. I ordered the five tacos, shared that meal. It was good, great conversation, but I ain't trying to get lice. Here's the deal. I'm black. I put grease on my hair. It's rare that black people get lice. I got a friend, Sotas. She got daughters. They black. They was hugging, right? They white friends. That's young. You know, white girls, and they hug, and they young. Oh, even adult white women, they put their head on your head, right? And then when they did that to their black daughters, they, that lice just jumped right, that lice jumped right on over to their heads, right? And so they, they, they was nuts trying to get that lice out their head because their daughters had locks. Woo! So I'm mindful that, you know, just normally, I can, I can imagine lice just running and sliding off black hair because it's so greasy. Like you got, you might have, no, no, no telling what you got. You might have uh, jobo oil on your hair. You might have uh, some Cantu products. You might got Vaseline on your face, right? So I can see the lice just running. They just like, it's like running up uh, ice, like an a ice incline. They just sliding off onto your shirt. You think it's uh, dangerous, but it's not. It's lice. You brush them off and you black so you don't get lice. I don't get lice, especially when I'm at a restaurant where it's food being served. So was I going to sit over there on that couch? And the black people that was with me was, like, picking their stuff up. Like, they was ready to get to go over there and sit on the lice couch. And I was like, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> what we're not going to do is get lice today. We're not going to do that. We're just not going to get the lice, right? And so the conversation that ensued, here's the thing I like about black people. Black people got a top five everything. So if you were somebody black, it's going to break out, right? Top five cereals of all time. Mine is like Kicks, uh, Golden Grahams, uh, Cocoa Krispies, Lucky Charms, and um, Frosted Flakes. Like just off the cuff. I'm busting because I've been, I've been doing it. But if we're doing Marto Meals, Chocolate Marto Meal, that's my favorite of all time. But it ain't really cereal. It's like a Marto Meal. It's kind of like a hybrid. I call it cereal. Kinda. So yeah, Malto Meal. But that's my top five cereals. So of course, it's a brother there. And he gonna say, well, what we gonna talk about? Uh, we gonna talk about your top five. So before I do that, we getting drinks. Right? And so California got legal everything. <laughs> well, so 
Anyway, I get my Grandma Ye double shot to get me relaxed because Grandma Ye, that's my drink of champions every time I want to relax. Then the conversation ensues and he asks me, who's your favorite MCs ever? And, of course, I hit him with a non-hesitation. Are we talking about ever MCs, ever, ever? Or are we talking about solo MCs, group MCs? So I hit him with this. My favorite solo MC ever, ever is Kanye, right? My favorite duo of MCs ever, ever is Outkast. Favorite group, A Tribe Called Quest. Favorite band or alternative, Roots. Right? So that's that's my favorites. And then he went into this tirade about how who was his favorite. And he, you know, Lupe and a couple other folks. And I was like, yeah, he he looked like he's 29. So he he ain't really knowing. You know, he top five list. He ain't really got one. And then, you know, the conversation spilled into we talk about uh greatest vocalists of all time. Who's the top five of greatest vocalists? And I was like, you know, Beyonce gotta be, you know, so you got Whitney. You got, I'm thinking contemporaries, right? I ain't expecting them to bust out. What about Aretha Franklin? Really? That's, that's what we're doing? Aretha, really? Aretha? That's what we're doing? Aretha's great. We, are we doing Gladys Knight, too? Are we doing, is that what we're doing? Like, great-grandma vocals? I'm talking contemporaries. So I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking Fantasia. I'm thinking, uh, I'm thinking, uh, uh, Jennifer Hudson, I'm thinking uh, who, uh, Mariah, Whitney, Beyonce. Like, that's my top five of, you know, women singers that's out here blowing. Right? And he said Beyonce ain't a good vocalist. <laughs> what? what? He, he, just, he One dude started listening. Listed, uh, he said there's people in SWV that can sing better than Beyonce. I was like, man, come on, man. Beyonce, SWV. And uh, they look like an SUV right now, each one of them. I'm like, hey, man, I can't, that ain't it for me. And they wasn't hotter than Escape to me. Escape was hotter than them. I said TLC was the greatest women's singing group ever. They all looked at me, that, but they're going to throw their drinks on me. I'm like, why not? You know, in Vogue, it's a different it's a different type of thing. Like in Vogue, they was vocal stylings, but TLC, man, TLC was TLC. Like, Destiny Child is cool, but Destiny Child is just one person singing her own background vocals. And Kelly and uh, uh, what was the other one? They, three of them got kicked out, or two of them, Michelle, whoever. Like, they lip singing, Beyonce lead singing. And so, we had a great debate about just top fives. We didn't even really get into top five movies. Like, my top five movies are like um, Pulp Fiction, Boys in the Hood, uh, uh, Inception. Um, Matrix, and probably, oh, I need another one. Probably, mm, I don't know. Can't think of nothing right now. It's on my head. I can't think of it. Anyway, so that was just off the head, so it's why it's incomplete. But anyway, yeah, we didn't get into that top five, but, you know, that's one thing I love about black people. We can have them black people discussions, right? And so after we got to, we ate our food, this all happened, this is all happening, this content is all from one exchange with these group of scholars that we're going to, so I'm at the table, it's six black people, five, and they all got PhDs. Ugh, love it. We just, we chopping it up about stuff that don't have nothing to do with PhDs, which is why I extra loved it. And so we talking, <laughs> We're talking about greatest male vocalists, right? And so the conversation veers into, I say Prince. 
ever. So Prince is a great performer. That's how we got on it. We're talking about Beyonce because she's a great performer. I that person said Beyonce is the greatest performer ever. I said it's Prince. Prince came to Oklahoma City, 1998, murdered it. Ugh. Excuse the pun. He wasn't murdered. He died. So he killed it. Ugh. So Prince knocked it out the park. Right. Baseball example. So Prince knocked it out the park, right? And so one of the people that was there was like, what about Michael Jackson? <laughs> and so we started talking about Michael Jackson's discography. So I got permission to use her name, Tiffany. So Tiffany was there. Shout out to the homie Tiffany. And she said <laughs> one time she was at the dentist. And you know how dentists have all music playing in the background. And she was like, hey. Is that Michael Jackson? And the dentist was like, yeah. And she was like, uh, I need you to turn that off. And he was like, what? What's the call out? She said, I need you to turn that Michael Jackson off because that's PYT and my mouth is open. <laughs> and so that the conversation just veered from her mouth being open and how she felt uncomfortable by hearing Michael Jackson's music, right, to... R. Kelly and Bill Cosby, right? And so we thought she was like going hard on Mike. She was like, yo, he did it. I think he did it. And I was like, she was like, well, who has kids spend a night at their house? And I was like, just because the kids spent the night at their house don't mean he was molesting them. And so I said, here's my measure point. Like, for instance, a whole lot of black men have been killed, have been lynched, have been murdered, right? Sentenced to death because somebody white said they molested them or they raped them. Come to find out on their deathbed, Mega Evers, the lady of death, Mega's, you know, deathbed, they come out, say they know who did it, or they lied about it, and then that person's already dead, right? And so I was like, hey, when somebody black said that they did it, then I'll be like, yeah, they did it. Because black women, this is my rationale, black women, because of the patriarch, right? Black women have been raised, black girls have been raised to protect black boys that ultimately become black men. So when they become black women, I think their first impulse is to protect black men to the detriment of themselves. So when all these ladies came out talking about R. Kelly did it, I was like, yeah, yeah, he did it. Like if a black woman said you did it, you did it. Like what are we, what are we having a discussion about? You did it. You likely did it. And so I was like, yeah, that's good. You're nasty for that. You're just nasty. And so, give Bill Cosby, uh, give R. Kelly out of here. So, he needed the death penalty. If you rape somebody, you need the death penalty in the United States. I'm pro death penalty. Rape, you can't give back somebody their innocence. A woman or a man, you rape somebody, you need to get the death penalty. So, we start talking about Bill Cosby. And, and they was like, well, how do you know Bill Cosby did it? A whole lot of people came out. I said, well, uh, I forgot the name of the black woman, uh, Iman, or somebody. Uh, Beverly, somebody, black. when the black woman came out and said he tried to put the drugs in my drink and he was going to take advantage of me and rape me. I was like, yeah, he did it. That was confirmation for me. Because a black woman, if you're going to believe anybody in the U.S., believe a black woman. Because she's not going to lie on you about that, right? Not about that. I mean, she may say that you ain't, or she may say that your, you know, your game ain't well wound, like, your, your dirty wine, your dirty wine ain't nothing. But she going to say that after she done with you, right? Because she mad. Because I don't know many black women stay with you if your dirty wine is whack, right? The dirty the dirty wine, they got to be, buh, buh, buh. yeah, it got to be shots getting bust off, right? So I, I get it. When they say that, uh, they may be mad at you. But if they say you raped them, yeah, you probably did rape them. 
And so we talked we talked about that, and that was it, that was hilarity too. And so then we had fun. So we like together like two or three hours, and it's time to go. So the sun had fell, and so the brother was staying in the Airbnb. So we dapped him up. All right, son. I'll see you later. One, enjoy, be safe. You know, stay dangerous. And so he walks off. So then it's me and the two sisters. <laughs> and so as we come to the corner. And I've been saying it, I always think it, but that time I said it, you know when you press the button on the side, you see the little white man that tells you you can walk? <laughs> and that's that just I just see that, I feel that differently. Like the white man is giving me permission to walk across the street. <laughs> right? And I was like, okay, we can go, y'all. The white man said we can go. So as we walking across, I was like, what where do you think the white man is going? Is he running? Where is he running to? And they was like, y'all, he's running to black women, but he's running away from y'all because you're a black man. And I was like, yeah. I was that mean where the black guy's pointing to the side of his head and shaking his head like, yeah, that's what's up. The white man is afraid of me. Historically, since the first slave ship docked in Jamestown, Virginia, 1619, he'd been afraid of black men. While running to black women. And so that resonated with me. And that was the hilarity. And so as we walking home, every time we dwell to the hotel, every time we hit the stop, press the button, by the time we get there, we all say, you know, the white man, he let us home. <laughs> so he must have been an ally. So what I got out of it is every time I see a stop a stoplight now, I be thinking the white man's the ally. Cause he got him he got us home safely that night. <laughs> <laughs> and no no harm befell us on that walk, right? And so that that was the that was the fifth thing that occurred that was extra great. And so we man, we 33 minutes in. Oh, we out here, we out here smashing it. So, facade podcast. I am Dr. Hoskins, but I'm a son of hip hop, right? So this podcast was created. Because of my frustrations dealing with being as a professor, being always on, I needed an outlet, and it became a podcast. The Facade Podcast. Every one of us has a person, a persona, and a facade, right? So if I was around white people that I that was conservative, and I was like, I'm anti, you know, um, you know, I'm for the Muslim ban. Like, that would be me giving a facade. Like, that ain't who I am. I'm not for the Muslim ban, right? I'm not for it at all. If I was like, yo, reparations are terrible. That shouldn't be a thing. Like, I, that's my facade. I believe in reparations, right? So my persona is when I'm a professor in class, I'm in my persona. So it's still me, but it's my professorial, pers- pers- you know, persona. So certain things I'm not going to say, right, or do. Or discuss because we're within the class structure. So we're talking about content as it relates to that class content, right? And then there's my person. That's what you're getting right now. This is me, your guy, Dr. Hoskins. This is me, right? And so, persona, sorry, person, persona, facade. That's what the facade podcast is. But anyway, this time, my therapist was like, hey, I got a question for you. And here's the question How do you contribute to and take away? from the transgenerational divide about the value of hip-hop and why, right? And so part of the way that I do it is I have discussions, right? So I I try to have these discussions about hip-hop, what it looks like, what it sounds like, right? And so I was like, hey, I stay on Twitter, and it's this Twitter, it's this space called Central Sauce, 
right? It's like it's a hip hop place uh, on Twitter. It's at Central Log uh, underscore Sauce, and so they interviewed this one guy, Jordan Cleo. Right, and this is a quote that he said. He said, "I don't think that there's a single perfectly perfect album. In that, if that makes sense, perfection is something that you can always strive for, but you really can't get it. Very, you can get close to it, but you can't get it right." So then he says, "When I hear a project that leaves me unable to do anything but just listen, that's special." And of course, I responded. I said, there's been a few perfect albums, like Balloon Mind State by De La Soul, 1993. I can list them out by decade if necessary. One must be sonically open to a project to hear it, right? And not get caught in the minutia of the idea of perfection. So Central Sauce responded. They was like, I'd love to see you list them out by decade. Other than Balloon Mind State, what's on your List. This is on my list right here. Like we always do with this time. Go for mine. I guess to shine. Throw your hands up in the sky. Go for mine. I guess to shine. Now I'm gonna get on the TV, mama. I'm definitely gonna get on the TV. But that that's that's hey, graduation. 07. If you ain't if you ain't got graduation, that's one of my albums. So here's here's the ones that I listed. So I went from 2000 to 2019, right? So I said Lil Tunchi, 2008, Carter Three, right? Perfect album. Lupe Fiasco, Food and Liquor, 06, perfect album. The Game, right? The documentary, 05, perfect album. And then there's this album right here. Cause I'm scrolling through my, through my, uh, what's my, uh, oh, this album right here, this is my favorite song on it, and it goes a little something like this. <laughs> yeah, hey, hey. Hey, uh, A-P-S-T-A-R-A, great dinner, she, she likes it, hey, she likes it, yeah, so Young Jeezy, right, Thug Motivation 101, then I got two by Kanye, College Dropout 04, Graduation 07, 50 Cent, Get Rich or Die Trying, Diplomats 03, I got Scarface, The Fix 02, M&M's, the M, the M&M show, 02, then I got Blueprint, Jay-Z, 01, and Ghostface, Supreme Clientele, 2000, right? So that, that's my that's my 2000 list. That's my 2000 to 09, right? Then I got my, I got my present list. Got a couple joints. I'm going to play for y'all real quick. So this is my 2018 joint right here. Uh, 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 uh. Push. Never trust a bitch who finds love in a camera. Uh, she will uh, fuck you, then uh, turn around and uh, fuck a janitor. Uh. Set the parameters. Now, push is kind of hard. He's kind of hard, but that, hey, I got push on my list, right? So I got push Daytona. Then I got Nipsey's, you know, 2018 victory lap. I give you a cut of that because I love Nipsey. That's my guy. Blue laces. Nah. Victory lap. Oh, 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 
Shout out to Nip, man. Rest in peace to the guy who's out here doing it for the streets. Oh, I love it. I gotta let this rap a little bit. I'm prolific, so gifted. I'm the type that's gonna go get it. Uh, no uh, kidding. Uh. Breaking down a switch in front of your feelings. Right? Sitting on the steps, feeling no feelings. Whew. <laughs> Sitting on the steps feeling no feelings. Oh, then this dude was next. Now, when I talk about lyricists, this dude right here, this dude right here is a extra special lyricist. Do you, do you know what it is? You know what it is? I'm on the way. Oh. Oh. Moving around. I need 17 for the split. Oh. Say, just in case y'all don't know, so how the Prince on Dope on Sundays. Whew. Cooker, extra cooker. Future, Dirty Sprite 2, 2015. Kendra Lamar, To Pimp a Butterfly, 2015. Man, now Kendrick, I got just because it's Kendrick, I gotta shuffle through the iPhone to get to Kendrick, because he deserves a little props. So this is a Good Kid Mad City, which came out in 2012, and this was. One of my joints. <laughs> now, I ain't heard Kendrick get killed on a track ever. But let's be clear. J-Rock murdered him on his track. And just in case you fall, you hit Bob heads. This is Money Trees. Which is extra, extra fly to me. Yeah. Oh. Um. Oh, man. You're with it, you're with it, you're with it. Oh, what's persuasive? Oh, what's persuasive? Like rappers do, like rappers do. Okay, so, yeah, that was that was it. Then I had um, Rick Ross, Mastermind 2014. Then I had, um, oh, and Better You Than Me. 2017, I had Drake, Take Care. I got to go back in time. Just I'm, I'm on time travel just a little bit for this Drake. Because some of y'all be like, yeah, you know, Drake, all he does is sing. He really doesn't rap. You know, but to Take Care. Take Care was him singing. I extra loved it. I extra loved it. And this is my joint. This, this song extra had me in my feelings. Like, even though I'm married, had me in my feelings. Because the hook is just... It's infectious. It's I've been that guy that was calling my ex. You know, cause she didn't want me no more. You know, I asked her questions about who you been, where you been with. She didn't have to answer those questions, and it just never Drake and drive. If you Drake and get in your car, you're gonna end up at your exes. Don't do it. Mm. And in my old phone, I'm gonna call anyone home. I've been in this club too long. The woman that I would try is happy with a good guy. And I've been drinking so much, I'm gonna call her anyway and say, Yes! Oh, I had, ooh, I almost got to my feelings right then. Oh, 
I don't got no feelings. I try not to have none. Whew. Yes, that, that joint right there was it. But this, but in that whole 2010 to the present, man, my favorite artist is Wiz Khalifa. Ooh. <laughs> Rolling papers, when I'm gone, oh, it's so, so reflective. It's so future forward in these lyrics that he's offering to the listener, right? Because he, he wants you to, he wants you to get into it, to get lost in the music, 2011. So I really loved it. Then I had J. Cole, Friday Night Lights, 2010, and Kanye West, my beautiful, dark, twisted fantasy. And that was my list. That was how I got it in. And so, yeah, that was how I contribute to doing this by having conversations about the culture with the young guns, right? To try to bridge the gap between the young and the old. I ain't talking about Curtis Blow and Run DMC, although they was hot. I'm not doing that, but I'm mindful that in order to bridge the gaps between the youth and us now, the old heads, we gotta have some beautiful conversations about the course uh, of the culture. And say all of Ooh, I can't do it. That whiz was, whew. You would have did the same thing. <laughs> yeah, so that was it for my therapy exercise. Ooh, we had 45 minutes. We're getting there. So, that's how I responded to the central sauce. And we just got into a list. I'm waiting for them to hit me back and tell me what they list is. But that's how I contribute through discussion. Now, either or, neither nor. So, when people say, hey, what, you know, this is test called Myers-Briggs, right? I encourage everyone to take the Myers-Briggs test. That's how I figured out I was an introvert. And some of y'all are probably like, what? Man, you ain't no introvert. You be out here. You funny. You cool. You the life of the party. True, true, and true. But that's only with people I know, right? So I got this new term. It's called antisocial extrovert. That's me. I, I, I copyright that, so don't bite that. If I see it, if I see you putting it out there, I'm going to sue you. I'm an antisocial extrovert, right? So when I go into a place where I don't know nobody, I'm extra. Anti-social. Because I don't know you. I don't know your agenda. You ain't been vetted. You standing by me, towards me, speaking to me. Hey, I'll be on pause. on Wishing I could put you on mute. Because I ain't really trying to have no conversation with somebody I don't know. But when I'm around people I know, man, I'm extroverted. And when I tell you I'm extra, I be on extra. I, be on, I go from zero to 100 real quick. Real quick. Because I'm around people that I know. So the people that I know would tell you I'm an extrovert, right? It's because I know them. I love them. It's with family. I'm with friends. I'm around people that's extra cool, right? You in the pocket. So I'm, I'm extra cool with you. We hanging out. I'm cool with you. You've been vetted. That's my thing. I'm into the six degrees of separation. It's extra cool. The further in degrees of separation you are from me, the more you're going to see me as antisocial. But the closer you are in proximity to the center degree, that first one, the more you're going to see me as what? An extrovert. So even though I'm an introvert, according to the Myers-Briggs test, I'm what I say I am, an antisocial extrovert. I got love for anybody who got love for me. But if I don't know you, yeah, 
Not so much. So I'm not bourgeois. I don't think I got the big head because I got a PhD. I can have a bag of PhDs. You can have one, ten, or none. If I don't know you, you get in the shoulder. That ain't cold because you ain't disrespecting me, but that shoulder going to be like a stiff arm attached to it. Like I'm running through the hole, I'm going to hit you in the forehead with the stiff arm, the social stiff arm, because I don't know you. Right? So that's my either. My or is introverted. Sci-fi outliers, right? So because so I had this discussion, so why, so why I'm with with my fam in Los Angeles, we had this discussion about escapism, right? So escapism to me is key to my humanity, right? Like I gotta I gotta have escapism to survive, right? Because I like I said I'm adopted. I said this in the first one. I'm adopted. Right, and so I then went through some some shifts of who I am. Right, so and I, early on I was like, am I a Mosby? Am I a Hoskins? Right, but as I got older, I realized, you know, I'm both. Right, so I got my bio M, who's a Mosby, whole family over here. Then I got my parents that raised me. That's I got two families. I'm blessed. God gave me a tribe. He gave me the African, the most African thing ever, a gang of people that love you. Right, I'm in a tribe. Right, I, I obey the hierarchy. I show a generational deference to my elders that's above me. The, my cousins, that's, you know, they younger than me. I show them respect too. You know, I'm just I'm in between, right? And so I, I see that, right? But to me, escapism again, the facade podcast is my form of escapism. Like I listen to hip hop every day. I can listen to it every day. Just put my headphones on. If I didn't have to work, I wish I could be a music critic so I could just listen to music every day and get paid to do it because I would do that. That would be my ultimate job, to interview people that's in the culture and to be just listen to music and report on it. Like, I would love to do that. That's, that's why I created Hip Hop Heads in 1997, but that's a whole other issue. We're not going to that. But that's my thing, escapism. Part of the way I escape nowadays is because I got Netflix, right, is I watch a lot of movies. I gotta watch movies, cause movies they give me they give me the way out of life. So I can press pause, right, and not have to think about Trayvon Martin being murdered, right, or Sandra Bland, or uh, just about how how hostile it is to be black and on Earth, right. I always say that the black body naked, right, to some is hostile. So if they got a they got Ten guns, and you just nude black, they believe that you can kill them, that you're a threat to them. So they murder us, right? And so I'm mindful that I don't, I don't want to think, I don't want to be inundated because my work is about racial trauma, about racism, about campus racial climate, about organizational theory, about all those things and how they impact black bodies, brown bodies, you know, and, and people of color. I, like I, I just, I just get, I have anxiety about it, anxiety attacks about it. So, <laughs> so sidebar, serious business. So I got, I thought I had a heart attack, right? And when I first got to the spot, uh, 2016, I thought I had a heart attack. So they put me on the treadmill. They put this man, they inject this ink in your body, in your arm. Ooh. So there was ink in my body, and they put me on the treadmill. And I had to run like 20 minutes, and then they was like, "We think we got a, we think you got a blockage in your heart." And I was like, "How? I don't smoke." Cigarettes. How can I have a black in my heart? And so they did end up doing this scope on my heart, right? And so I was like, whoo, like I got a new lease on life. And so I thought I was cool. Then it happened again. 
And I was like, what's wrong with me? Um, I can't be having a heart attack, so I went to the doctor. And he said, you have anxiety. And he subscribed me these anxiety pills, right? <laughs> so to this day, I got two prescriptions sitting on my table that I ain't went in and got filled to take the anxiety pills because I got anxiety about taking the anxiety pills to help me with my anxiety. <laughs> that's, that's extra nuts. But every time I look at the pills in the prescription, all I can think about is the Tuskegee experiment. And I'll be saying to myself, are they really anxiety pills? Is it poison? Is it going to kill me if I take it? Should I take it? Should I not take it? I don't know what to do, so I get nervous. And so I just deal with these anxiety attacks. And I be having them. I had them in Los Angeles when I was at a conference. When I was seeing some people's presentations about how black people get treated like trash. But I will say this. When I went to Portland and kicked it with the family, I'd have no anxiety attacks for four straight days. God bless on that. That's extra good. So I, I don't know why I have anxiety attacks, but that's a whole other thing. So my, it goes back to my escapism. Like, I want you to think about what's your escapism. How do you survive the world, right? So that, that's, my, that's my or. I need to escape from this world, right? And so because I'm an anti-social extrovert, if you too many people get around me, I'm going to escape that situation and walk out and get away from y'all because I don't know y'all don't know what y'all going to be talking about. So I, I make sure I vacate. So that's my either or, right? Antisocial extrovert or introverted sci-fi outlier, which is by escapism because right? I love sci-fi, right? I love sci-fi, especially time loops. So, for instance, and I don't want to ruin this for y'all, but I said this before. If you don't do a time loop right, you trash. Marvel, I get it. Endgame. They come, they converge on Thanos. Oh, beat up Thanos. Thor chops his head off and kills him. Then Thanos' daughter goes back in time. Thor, sorry, Thanos captures his daughter. His other daughter captures, his daughter from the past captures herself who's from the future that's in Thanos' present. Thanos watches himself get his head cut off and realizes that he captures all the Infinity Stones, which is why he decided to go capture the Infinity Stones. So the thing that you did first is the reason why the thing that started last was first. Time loop. Come on now. Jordy LaShore knows that. Get it together. Marvel. Sorry. Sorry, I got to my to my nerve box. I'm sorry. So that's my either or. Neither nor. So my neither nor is Black Mirror. Black Mirror was trash. Period. I'm not going to give it away. It's only three episodes, right? Three hours of escapism. I needed more than that. Last Black Mirror season four was the best one that they ever had. It was absolutely great, right? And so it gave you six episodes, which is six hours. Like I could watch that. In, I watched that in one day, one Saturday. But I cut through the first one, which was interesting. <laughs> it's for all you gamers out there. That's Nymphomaniacs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. That's what the first one was about. The second one was about love and about how we need to disconnect. We need to detox. When was the last time you cut your phone off for seven days? For one day where you didn't respond to nobody at all? 200 authors. When was the last time you did that? Probably haven't done that, right? Probably haven't done that. So the second one, the third one had Miley Cyrus in it, man. They was extra reaching, man. Ashley O, she was extra trash. She can't act. The storyline was trash. The plot was trash. The the crescendo, the act one, two, and three, it was just trash. It didn't go well together. And I love Black Mirror. Like, Black Mirror, to me, 
is the third greatest sci-fi series ever franchise. So you got X-Files, you know, and then you got Star Trek, and then you got Black Mirror over Star Wars, right? That's, that, that, that's my top four. And I could put Aliens in there because Aliens is cool. So that's like my top five, right, of sci-fi franchises. But, yeah, Black Mirror. <laughs> y'all let me down on that. So that's that's my neither. Y'all watch it. We can talk about it next week. But that's my, after y'all have seen it, y'all know why I thought it was trash. Because it was complete and utter trash. And then my nor, right? My nor. How many of you have seen When They See Us, right? So a lot of people on Twitter is on some When They See Us is a Lie, Central Park Five, they was rapists, black men, like it's inherent for them to rape and pillage in public where they can be seen and go to prison for it. No, right? So I mentioned earlier, I went to the critical race theory is the theory that we use. One of the things that we use is counter stories, right? So counter stories are the compiling of all data. So I may interview 15 people. I may get some organizational data about your mission statement. I might interview uh, people that are around the people that I'm interviewing. Right? So if I'm looking at black women, how they experience racism, I may interview people they work with uh, just to get all these data points, right? And then write a counter-narrative to combat the majoritarian narrative, which frames people of color as negative and deficit, right? So if you remember Central Park 5, if you could just think back to how the media portrayed that, right? They portrayed the black boys as violent and hostile, right? And they didn't commit the rape, right? Even though they were coerced into saying that they did. Would someone understand? I ain't do it. That's my answer. Alex, what is I ain't do it for $1 million? Because I'm not going to jail for something I ain't do. I ain't admit to that. Now, I wasn't 15 or 14, cut off on my parents. I ain't never been in jail. I, well, I've been there to pick a couple people I know up for drunk and disorderly, but I'm not going to put nobody out there because that ain't how we do it. But, yeah, I've been to a jail, but I ain't never been in a jail. Like, I ain't never been arrested for nothing and been in a jail. So I get it. They was young. They got coerced, right? And people just keep saying that it's, it's a lie, right? So I haven't, I haven't watched it yet when they see us. I watched the Central Park Five situation unfold. Donald Trump talked about it. Your president talked about it, and so I'm like, yeah, I'm just not. I'm not emotionally ready to watch it because I read the Twitter feed and people have been talking about it. I don't want to cry again. I, I've been crying. I've been celebratory and crying, but I've been hurt crying too. Cause I'm, I hurt. I'm human. I cry too, just like you be crying. And so, yeah, I, I ain't want to get into it. But that's my neither nor, like. Neither watch Black Mirror because it was absolute trash and nor to all you people out there that's saying when they see us is a lie because it wasn't a lie. As we found out, they were exonerated, right? But they lost time. So, so here's what I believe. I believe if I get falsely convicted of a, time, of a crime that I didn't commit, right? I'm a professor. I got a certain salary. If I'm in jail for 20 years, the state need to cut me a check for all the money that I would have earned, for 20 years, it's about $3 million for me because <laughs> we out here, you dig? But I'm just saying, if they falsely accuse you, you go to prison, and God hope that you don't die in prison. Like, how they going to take care of your family after that because you died in prison because somebody lied on you? 
when you didn't do it, right? And that person need to go to jail if they're still alive, or you need to be able to sue their family, their kids, and the, your their spouse or whomever, ex-spouse, whatever. They all need to get sued because they was lying. That's the reason why you went to jail. So that's my neither nor. Whew. Man, we had 59 minutes, and we had what we not going to do. Now, I put some thought into this, what we're not going to do, because here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to love shame anybody, right? Because I'm sick of y'all out here love shaming. It's a lot of y'all homophobic, heterosexist people out here saying it's a, a gay agenda just because you've seen the rainbow flag. So now you mad, right? So you be on some same gender loving, love shaming. That's not what we're going to do. Right? We're not going to do that. Don't do that. I know some of you Christians out there, yeah, y'all doing some stuff that's that we ain't going to even talk about because y'all out there doing it. Y'all putting cigarette butts out on the back of kids, right? Y'all uh, stealing identities of old folks, running their credit up to buy stuff that you can't get because your credit line trash, right? And you out here love shaming. So we ain't going to love shame, right? So, for instance, everybody get they love how they like they love. Right? So, for instance, like me, I love tongue-kissing with a mouthful of food. <laughs> that may sound extra nasty to you, but that's how I get down. I'm like, hey, chew that food just a little bit, not a whole lot, right? Don't chew it all the way where it's, you know, parade. I don't want to parade tongue kissing, right? But we're going to, I'm going to chew my food kind of barely. You're going to chew your food kind of barely. And then we're going to tongue kiss, right? The goal is to enjoy the kiss while exchanging the food so you can know what I ate. I can know what you ate. I can taste your food. I can taste your love and the tongue kiss with your food. Woo! <laughs> That's the best thing ever, right, for me. But people that I tell that to, they be looking at me like, That's gross. Hey, that's the way my love falls out, right? That that's, that's how I like to get down. Chew up the food, tongue kiss with the food in the mouth. I think that's sexy. If you can meet a woman that's like, hey, I want to, ooh. Now, how many times women, ladies, listeners, we got ladies listeners for side podcast, have the person that you with, a lady or a man that you care about was like, hey, you know what? I'm finna get into this. You know, this this chicken breast, this glazed chicken breast, you know, and I, I see you over there eating your kale salad. Hey, how about when you halfway eating it, let me let's tongue kiss each other. I, ladies, how many times you got asked that? Never. You know why? Because dudes has been shamed. They've been love shamed into not wanting to do it. And that's extra trash. So we ain't for no love shame if that's what you want to do. But I brought that example up because I've been listening to Meek Mill. And I heard Maul on the Joe Budden podcast, they like getting spit in their mouth by the woman they with. Now, I ain't never had a woman spit in my mouth, <laughs> but I bet that's cool. I bet that's cool. Some of y'all like that's nasty, but there's some of y'all out there that y'all spitting in people's mouths. Y'all spitting in the person's mouth that y'all care about. And I ain't talking about when you tongue kissing because, you know, you exchange saliva. I'm talking about <laughs> spit. In their mouth while you looking at them, looking over them, watching your spit go in their mouth and they swallow it. Cause it's your spit. And they care about you. And y'all in the throes of passion. Hey man, y'all better stop love shaming. We don't got much time on this earth. 
So to let people love the way that they love. And if you want to get into your love box, and it's about, you know, uh, tongue kissing with food in your mouth, <laughs> which, which I love to do, or it's about somebody spitting in your mouth, or you spitting in somebody else's mouth and swallowing it, that's your aphrodisiac, if that gets you going, then do that dance. Don't ever let anybody love shame you out of what feels good to you. Embrace that love. We got too many love shamers out there, and we just, I'm, I'm not having it. I'm, I'm just, I'm a hater of the love Shamers, a 2,000% hater of the love shamers. And that gets us into Tombow. <laughs> so, <laughs> this Tombow is about, well, I'm going to read it to you. So, I ain't going to say who it is because y'all know who it is. Those in the academy know who this is. But this is what they said. They said, I feel like. I have to withhold my sexual tension and desires. She's Gotta Have It came out, and that story, one of the characters in that story is me. But I feel like I can't share it with anybody. Is it okay? To, it's, <laughs> it's a two-parter. The first one is, is it okay for me to share it or have these types of conversations, period, because, you know, you let people know. Who you are, so is it okay? But then the second thing, the next thing that they ask is, <laughs> they challenged me to do something. So they challenged me to watch She's Gotta Have It, which came out on Netflix, while I was on a plane. To watch, to see if people would be uncomfortable around me. <laughs> so that season two, episode one, whoo! They got a passionate situation going on at the very beginning. Between two women, and I was kind of nervous. I was nervous because I was looking. So at first, I had it sitting in front of me, and it was a lady to my left and a guy to my right. And when that started, I leaned forward and <laughs> tried, to, I tried to cover up my phone because I didn't want them to see it. And the opposite happened. So the guy looked away, and the woman leaned in with me so she could watch it with me. And I was like, man, I, I was kind of nervous. But because she was watching me watch it, but she couldn't hear the sound, it made me relax. <laughs> and so, person who challenged me, I did it on a plane. And they only asked me to do it because they knew I was going to be flying. I did it, but I was extra nervous because I, in this in Me Too era, I don't know who's going to be like, yeah, I was on a plane. Sitting next to this guy, he was watching some sexual scenes on his phone. I felt uncomfortable. Then I get arrested. Then I'm on a no-flight list. Then I can't eat. Because I can't fly and get these bags all over the country, right? And so I was just, I was concerned about that. But to answer your question, hey, you need to find, everybody need to find somebody they can talk to. I'm big on therapy, 2,000%. I found a therapist. So here's the deal. Aside podcast, I can't tell you who my therapist is because she forced me to say that I wouldn't tell. Because she didn't want to be seen as benefiting from me getting the idea to do the podcast. And so now she gets paid or something. She don't want to have to deal with all that, right? And so I was like, okay, that's cool. So I won't tell. But I got a, I got a, I got a therapist, an online therapist. So people keep saying, when you go in and you sit down and talk to your therapist, like me and my therapist, we Skype. We online. So, y'all, hey, man, y'all better get, it's 2019, right? 10, 15 tonight. Y'all better get up on the Skype therapy. Because if you need help, best to get your help, right? 
the way that you need to get your help, get your help 200% because you need it. We all need help. But yes, have your conversations about sex. Again, it goes back to the love shaming. Some people don't want you cut. I just see people hold hands and people be like, they need to get a room. I'm like, well, you got to spend money to hold hands? Like, why, <laughs> like why, would you, why would you pay to hold hands? Why would you get a room and then hold hands in the room? Like, that conversation, that never made sense to me. I think in hindsight, maybe they were saying, like, because they see you holding hands, you're going to have sex. But not, I'm like, why? That may not be it. Like, that may be a friend that I'm walking with. I need my hand held because I'm having an anxiety attack. So she holds my hand. I'm not going to have sex with my friend that I'm walking with. So when people say, get a room, that's like insensitive, right? Because you're inferring that we're going to have sex. We might not have that type of relationship. So I think everybody needs to talk about whatever topic you want to talk about, about your anger, about your sexual desires. It's too many people that's bottled up in this world. And they don't get to get out and express who they are. So reach out, bottle up if you need to talk about sex, if you need to talk about money, if you need to talk about power. Do what you got to do to do your thing. Just don't. <laughs> so sidebar, <laughs> I remember when I came to the university that I'm at right now, and we're in the faculty orientation, and they say, we know it's some of y'all in the audience right now that love having sex with students. <laughs> and we, we just looked around at each other because I was trying to figure out who they were talking about because you run the data, like 25% of faculty, well, I think it's probably about 35. I ain't going to say what the study was. I won't put people business out there. They have sex with students. But after that, she said, so if you want to have sex with students, please continue to do so. <laughs> but she said, but just don't do it here. Because if you do, like this one person who was faculty, got pregnant by a student of hers, she got fired. And so she was saying, you know, don't put your name, on, don't put your number on your card because we don't want you to, you know, students to be able to talk to you, call you at their leisure, and it could lead to something. Right? So that, <laughs> that was, that was a, a loose tangent. That was a loose tangent, a pivot of sorts. Right? So just do your sex thing. Don't, don't do your sex thing with students. But do your sex thing, conversation thing, if you need to. Right? So we're in 109. Whew, we about to wrap it up. So I got to talk. This this my detangle. Hold on first. Let me check out the score. Cause I know the uh the Raptors is playing. Oh the Raptors is giving it to the Warriors. I love it. 91 to 76. Let's get these bum Warriors up out of here. They bums. Extra bums. So they were talking about Steph Curry this morning. Talking about he's a phenomenal talent. He scored 47 points against in a loss. He he could carry a team. And then Van Gundy was like, yeah, but this team right now, the Warriors, they wouldn't even make it like to the playoffs. Because they that trash. And people was defending. Steph, he's great. Let me tell y'all something right now. Steph ain't no LeBron. He ain't never going to be no LeBron ever. LeBron put 10 G League players on his back and went to the championship last year. And they got swept. But still, it's LeBron. Right? So, I don't count. So, here's my thing. Them Warriors, when they first won it, every team that they paid, the person that played against Steph Curry was injured. Right? So, I don't count that one. They won that championship. The next one, they were 73-9, and and they was the best, greatest team ever, and they was up 3-1 and lost. Right? But they shouldn't have been there because my man KD, we was up Oklahoma City Thunder 3-1, and we got got folded. Yeah, so KD essentially left his wife to go be with his mistress. 
Yeah, that's what he did. But anyway, them last two with KD, like LeBron, I mean, hey, he ain't no help. So I get it. But I, I discount all Warriors wins. Warriors is trash. Oklahoma City Thunder for life, Thunder up. But anyway, what I want to talk about, this is the detangle. And the detangle topic is this. I mentioned your person, your persona, your facade. You have to decide who you're going to be, when you're going to be, where you're going to be, and why. Every time you see me and interact with me, whether we talk about hip-hop, we talking about axiology, epistemology, or ontology, or we just talking about turkey bacon versus regular greasy bacon that I don't eat. Like this me. It's always going to be me. I don't have no facade. It is what it is. All the people that's around me, they love me. Because I'm, I'm rude sometimes. I'm, my nerve don't always translate well. I said that earlier. The people that's around me love me. They get me. They want to be there. But I don't compromise my integrity. I don't compromise my identity. I am who I am. If you don't like it, get to stepping. Because I don't care about you and I don't need you in my life. I want all of y'all to be yourself. A lot of times, we're going to be unconfident about who we are, right? But your person is at the center of who you are, right? Your persona is you, but augmented, right? So I know that my kids or people's kids or, you know, students, my students, they cuss when they ain't around me. I get that, right? They giving me their, their kid student persona, right? That's, so they're not going to curse, when I'm present. They're not. But if they're watching this game, they watch the words get this beat down right now, they probably like these mother lovers and these father, sister, brothers, they out here doing this. I get that. They're going to curse. That's part of life. But I don't ever want you, anybody, to feel like you can't be yourself ever. Definitely not around me. Always be yourself and represent, right? Because you have to. To not be yourself is to betray who you are and your ancestors that basically... Gave you the opportunity to put you in this situation. So that's my detangle. This brief. We had an hour and 13 minutes. I just wanted to say, Side Podcast, Season 1, Episode 8. <laughs> I'm getting ready to bounce it up. Y'all getting ready to be hearing it. Spread the word. Because we're doing our thing. We're doing great things. We're going to be out here. Hit us up on Twitter. Facade Podcast. Hit us up on IG. And Facade Pod. We're doing it big. We're going to represent... Love y'all. Thanks for listening. One.